Hi, and thanks for downloading this episode of Queer I Am, the podcast. I really hope you enjoy it. This podcast started as a small idea and has turned into a real passion project for me and is something that I wish to continue to make way into the future, but I need your help in doing so. So there is a cost in making Queer I Am, the podcast, and it's something that I funded and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. But if you'd like to get involved and support the podcast by subscribing to Acast Plus, that would be incredible. And if this is something you can't do, no worries at all. I really hope you keep enjoying the episodes and I intend to keep making them for as long as possible. Season three is coming up and you are in for an absolute treat. I am so, so excited. If you'd like to support the podcast, details of how you can do this are in the blurb of the episode you were listening to. And what this also means is you get to listen to all of the episodes of Queer I Am The Podcast, past and future, completely ad-free. So no interruptions whatsoever. What could be better? Anyway, enough of the serious blurb. Let's crack on with the show. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Okay, do I have the bonus episode for you for season one of Queer I Am The Podcast. My guest is an actor, West End performer, and more recently her story has come to our attention with the help of her role as Jill Baxter's mother in the fantastic Russell T Davies drama It's a Sin, and her new book Love from the Pink Palace, which tells the story of that time. I had the pleasure of recording this interview via Zoom a few weeks ago, and this for me is an episode that everyone must listen to. Jill is not only a super talented person, but she's also an activist that has championed the queer community for decades, and more recently she's been appointed as the patron of the Sussex Beacon. I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming to the podcast, Jill Nelda. So whatever you're up to, this is your time to settle down, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Queer I Am. Thank you, Jill, so much for uh, for coming on to uh, the podcast. Obviously, I was very inspired by It's a Sin last year when that came out and thrilled to know that you were then releasing a book and which I've just found amazing to read and we'll come on to that very shortly. Um, but with your affiliation to Brighton, with the Sussex Beacon, it felt quite fitting to be able to have a conversation with you about your experiences, about that time, which I think is so important to talk about and uh, to obviously talk about you as an artist as well and and your story so um so thank you so much for for coming on so i always do this with every guest so if you had to describe uh your mood with a song today what would that be oh uh let the sun shine in oh nice that's good (laughs) because it's raining (laughs) yeah (laughs) well it's very cloudy but it's just uh yeah 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 absolutely just a nice happy song yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and obviously your your background is musical theatre. So are you always singing show tunes around the house or is it kind of one of those things? It has you've... been known. 
Okay. <laughs> no, I, I love musicals. I'm not a person who, you know, I, I actually love them anyway. It's just mm. part of, you know, where I have managed to get to work over the years. Of but course, of before course. I was working in musicals, I was a big fan of musicals. So. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we'll come on to the book um, very shortly, but, you know, ma- massive congratulations on the book. Um, Thank you. And obviously um, the inspiration behind the book, but it's fair to say that you have had a really successful career as a performer as well. And so where where did you grow up and where do you call home now? Well, I grew up in South Wales, Mm -hmm. which is just outside of Swansea. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do feel, my dad was an Englishman, my mum was a Welsh woman. And so I'm sort of, you know, I've got a bit bit of both worlds in there, but I generally Mm -hmm. feel Welsh because I grew up in Wales. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And um, I live in London now, so I call London. London home. Yeah, okay. I was in London yesterday with um, seeing Lady Gaga. And, uh, oh, amazing. She is it, fantastic. It was incredible. But it's just, oh, you know, obviously you're coming to Brighton today. Brighton is so much more chilled than London. So when I go to London, yeah. it's just so chaotic. And I, yeah. I'm getting to the point where I can't quite handle the tubes and things. It just gets a bit much. But um, I, I get it because I think at the minute as well, because it has been very hot and it's very humid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is hard at the minute as well. It's just, but then everybody's getting back used to getting out and about, you know. But there Absolutely. are lovely, calm areas you can find. Yeah, well. well, I had a lovely few drinks in Soho yesterday, which was very nice, and on the way to the gig, so that that was cool. <laughs> so obviously, your performance is your 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 background. When did your love of musical theatre and performing begin? But literally, it was um, finding a production of Godspell at my local theatre and that mm-hmm. opened my eyes into musicals because I hadn't really, I mean, I, I did grow up with my parents, you know, both being quite fans of mm-hmm. people like Judy Garland. My dad was a big Judy Garland fan. And um, and my, so they, those sort of musicals, like The Wizard of Oz and, mm-hmm. you know, the old fashioned ones like Oklahoma and that. But mm-hmm. I didn't really love it as much as when I went to the theatre and I saw Godspell and that really open my eyes to something you know actually mm-hmm. happening on stage I'd only ever really known films until then mm-hmm. absolutely so, yeah so from that I was about 14 when that 14 was. and obviously you went to the West Glamorgan Theatre Youth Theatre where you I met did. your lifelong lifelong friend I Russell T Davies did. I met uh, Russell. Um, you know an absolute legend and and uh, obviously you, you then went on to to Mountview and to study at uni what are your fondest memories of those times of you know starting your initial training and getting into your kind of earning your um your chops as such what what did you really love for about that time when you were learning how to how to be an actor I think after the first year which I think was about leaving home and mm. I was a little bit lost and you know just trying to find my feet and a bit nervous of everything and a bit mm-hmm. nervous of being able to do it all I think my my happiest memories were once I had a good group of friends mm-hmm. in Mountview and and you know we were putting on productions and it was just a laugh I mean mm-hmm. you know we had great fun all the time mm-hmm. and so I think it's it's the camaraderie that that you remember at the end of the day, the mm-hmm. people that you know, the productions that you've loved, and the the parties you go to, and the people that you meet, really. So, so I, I do have very fond memories, other than just that little time, you know, when you just are no longer in your mum and dad's home, and you're trying to find accommodation. And then, of course, we found the Pink Palace. So that's yes. one of my biggest. <laughs> happiest memories was when we when we moved in there and we mm. could, you know, it was comfortable and lovely so we mm-hmm. well, I was gonna we'll come on to the Pink Palace in a moment because obviously that is just quite legendary really but I think um, 
what what I got from the um the book was there definitely was a lot of partying and love and happiness and friendship was the kind of underpinning um theme that I definitely took from the book and from your story generally right from starting uni right into supporting you know the the fellas with you know the situation that was going on in the 80s and 90s and um that that really came across so it's really interesting that you've you've talked about that being your your highlight and obviously in the book you talk about the famous equity card and actually once you've studied and you want to then become an actor you've got to do a certain amount of kind of weeks and hours to get your equity card to officially be able to get auditions and and be an actor um it sounded exhausting if I'm honest when I read that well to be perfectly (laughs) honest that's what it felt like because it was it was a very stressful thing because Mm. here you are you've three years training you have your diploma or your degree in performing arts whatever they call it but whatever's on paper you have to get to an audition and you have to get a job Mm -hmm. so the, the equity thing which isn't the same now at all the equity thing was you if you couldn't take the job even if you got it if you didn't have the equity card so mm. it was a very stressful for us you know mm. people finding all sorts of ways to get it and it mm. was it was a incredible triumph when you actually when you actually managed to get it you know mm. i i because it, it it's like this block in front of you you've already done the training you've you're already know it's a difficult profession and then mm-hmm. even if you do because i had friends who did get jobs mm-hmm. and, and couldn't take them of course and then you mm-hmm. couldn't take a west end job until you'd worked 40 weeks in the provinces or outside of the west end mm-hmm. so Everything was, you know, it was aimed, you, you had to have endurance, put it like that. Too. Well, I was going to say, and that was my question really. Was there any moment where you thought, this is too difficult, like, I don't want to continue with this? Or was it always, no, I will definitely do this and I will get this equity card? Because it sounded like a bit like a, a vicious circle of, you need to have something to do something, but you can't do it unless you have something. And That's it was just exactly what it was. Yeah, <laughs> sounded exactly frustrating. What it was. It, it, yeah. was it, it was even more from frustrating. It was very stressful because mm. you, also because money is an issue. So you mm. want a job, you want to be able to work. And so, um, no, no, there was never a moment, not, not at that point in my life, there was never a moment when I thought, no, I'm not going to, I'm going to do something else because mm-hmm. it, I was right on the cusp, you know, of, mm-hmm. of going into the business and I couldn't give up there and then, but mm-hmm. there were times when I thought, oh, I'm, you know, I'm desperate now. I really want to. Yeah. Especially when you're young and you're trying to find your feet and you've mm. got to pay rent and you want to, you know, and, and I guess also as well, you know, when you embark on a career like, you know, in performance or within art, um, You've, it's it's one of those jobs which is a gamble isn't it so you've, you've got is. to really show your friends and family that actually this was worth it and I can do this and yeah um, oh so much so much and you mm. think oh you know you don't want to let you you have this thing of wanting your parents obviously mm. everyone wants their parents to be proud of them you want to get on and do what you're going to do and invite your parents to an opening night and all that sort of thing mm. so so, well, from, uh, from the book, I could see that your parents loved that and uh, your mum loved especially my mum. <laughs> yeah, getting glammed up and going to all the opening events. That just, yeah, it yeah, was that was such a nice thing to read. Mm, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And obviously in the early days, um, you did some amazing gigs. So you performed at the Oriental here in, in Brighton um, with your lovely friend Jay. Oh gosh, we did loads of things like that. Yeah, it's mm. really good. And that's also happy memories because outside of, um, you know, people lots of people do cabarets and things like that mm. but it was quite special it's quite special to be part of that scene in brighton and mm. to be able to i think i did a new year's eve at the oriental and somebody mm. threw themselves at me to give me a new year's eve kiss and, and went right off the back of the stage i remember that <laughs> with them still on top of me and i was still singing 
<laughs> oh god that's brilliant <laughs> see that's endurance isn't it that's <laughs> that is lovely. No, no, i've got very happy memories of, of all that in brighton and all Absolute, the judges yeah. we used to do sundays jay used to do it a lot but with mm. do, with david raven as as macy trollette mm. and, you know mm. a lot of that stuff so it, it was mm-hmm. it was and still is because we're coming mm-hmm. down to do um, a charity event for the sussex beacon on mm-hmm. the 14th of september so still doing it Oh, fantastic. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I'll have to come and look that up. That's that's amazing. I'd like to get more involved with the Sussex Beacon, so maybe we can have a have a chat about that. Um, but also you've talked about uh your times, you know, supporting like Lily Savage at the Foxwell Tavern and um kind that's of which I could one. only imagine would be just so <laughs> hilarious and so risque as well. I mean, you know, those obviously really helped you to perfect your craft, I guess, and your stamina within performance. I think what um, they do is they give you they give you, as people would say in the old days, when you, when I was young and you would listen to people who'd done club acts, the Northern clubs, the mm. Welsh clubs, people would, you know, take that as a training. Mm. Well, also, you know, nobody would, nobody said in those days to do the gay clubs, the mm-hmm. gay bars and that, that was an amazing training. It was, mm-hmm. it was great fun. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they would let you know how they feel about you. If, if you, yeah. You, you, there's no, there's no two ways about it. So no, people absolutely. like Lily Savage, and Lily Savage and Paul O'Grady was a brilliant comedian. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just fantastic. If he, if he was as Lily Savage, if he was as Paul O'Grady, he was incredibly witty, and he would pack the place. Mm-hmm. You know, the gay audiences, uh, they know, like, well, all audiences, they know what they like, but mm-hmm. you know, gay audiences, there was a particular humour. It was mm. very risque. It was, mm-hmm. you know, very, very good fun. Mm, it's an honour to to support Lily Savage because she was packing them in. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is it. So it's it's kind of your name is out there, isn't it, as someone supporting someone quite legendary. And um, yeah, it's quite that must right. feel amazing. Yeah. It'd soon tell you to shut up if you wanted to get <laughs> Well, I got that from the book as well. Uh, definitely uh, was a bit of a piss take of, of yeah. uh, people at the pub and stuff. For but, sure, um, for sure. Yeah, that's brilliant. And then obviously your your West End debut, Les Mis, uh, you know, you kind of happened. And then obviously you moved on to Oliver. I mean, how does it feel after all of those graft, you know, years of graft kind of, and the many gigs and the many, you know, different things you had to do to get it, the equity card yes, to then have your debut on the West End. How did that kind of feel to be doing eight shows a week and be an actual West End performer? And I guess living your dream, really. That was totally living my dream. Mm. I could not have been happier mm. to get into Les Miserables because, mm-hmm. because it was the show that I absolutely loved. Mm. And then to get into it after quite a lot of auditions and recalls and stuff. Mm-hmm. So again, a huge stress level to try mm-hmm. to, to, but I think nothing beats a call for an actor telling mm-hmm. you you've got the job. Mm, I mean, of course. that is the biggest high, you know, and mm. your opening night, everything like that. It all follows on. But the moment when you get the job, mm-hmm. I think is, is you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure it is for all kinds of careers, but there's something about mm-hmm. getting an acting or singing or that job because it's mm-hmm. so precarious. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an incredible high. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So I, in yeah. fact, they, she started, when, when they offered me the job, they started to discuss money with me. Obviously, because I, I, my agent hadn't been available. I can't exactly remember where my agent was, but they started to say they would talk money with my agent or whatever. And I said, you don't need to worry about the money because I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I remember saying that and they were laughing. I said, whatever you're offering me, I'm doing it. <laughs> doing it. Yeah, absolutely. But isn't that, that for me, shows a real love and passion of the craft. And it's kind of, you know, it's, um, you know, 
it's it's not about the money. It's not about actually how much you're going to make or no, the success. It's about doing something you truly love. Well, that is the truth. But mm. some, for, for some people, obviously, it does have to be about money. Of at course, times of course. Because obviously, you do have to pay the bills. But mm. it was just that moment of exhilaration. I thought, I don't know why you're bothering to tell me what the money is. <laughs> I'm doing this job. <laughs> and do you think it's harder now for people to get into the West End and those kind of type of careers um, than it was then? I mean, does the equity um, card still exist as well? No, or yeah, yes, equity still exists. Obviously, okay. but the, the the necessity for the card in advance doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. you, if you get the job, you get it. And mm-hmm. then you don't have to be a member of the union anymore. I am. Okay. I'm not going to let that equity card go. I'm going to my <laughs> grave being an equity member. Absolutely. But, um, but you don't have to be in the same way as you had to be. Mm. So it's, and it, of course it's hard. I mean, there's loads of people going for auditions. There's loads of, of you know, there's loads of, I mean, everything on the television all the time with the X Factor and the mm. it's got talent and that the, the performing arts are even more in your face than they were with opportunity knocks and things. There's even more pressure, I think, on young people to mm-hmm. um, be a triple threat, what we call a triple threat, you know, mm-hmm. be able to sing, dance and act. Mm-hmm. Somebody like Ollie Alexander, who's It's a Sin, you know, mm-hmm. who played Richie in It's a Sin. He sings, he dances, he can act brilliantly. He's incredible, he isn't he? He's, mm. he's an everything threat. He's absolutely amazing. And a beautiful so man. A, and, a beauty, <laughs> and he is a beautiful man. He is. Yeah. And there is a lot of, of talent and competition out there. So I don't think it'll ever be easy. Yeah. Because it's a, it becomes this kind of dream job that people want to do it. And mm. to stick with it is harder. Mm. To, to want to be in it, is there's thousands and thousands of people but to actually want to make it a career and a life choice it, people do fall by the wayside and give up after uh, yeah i think you've got to be tenacious and have kind of you know balls haven't you to kind of yeah. you know really take the knocks and you know keep going well, i mean have yeah absolutely you've absolutely and i think that helps in having other people you know people around you that are in the business because mm. they understand there's always somebody out of work there's always somebody in work you know so it swings and roundabouts so i think mm. that helps you're all part and parcel of the same it helps me anyway but you're mm. part and parcel of the same world and i think you know that's definitely what came across in the book is the sense of community which we'll, we'll come on to now and, and obviously the the subject matter of, of aids and hiv and that difficult time um but you know, you had such a community within the West End and within your close circle of friends as well. Yes, and we you know, that's I guess is so important, isn't it, to have people around you that truly understand what you're doing, what the work is like, how difficult it is to kind of give you that push and say, Go on, you can do this. This is this is yours. Whereas if you don't have that, no, I guess it can impossible. just be Yeah, absolutely. Impossible. So so the book, I mean, just loved it. As I said to you yesterday on text, I um, finished it at 3am uh, yesterday morning. I just uh, was all week up in reading and kind of, I've had lots going on. So I was like, I must finish this bit before the interview. And I absolutely just adored it. It was beautiful. I think it was funny, heartwarming, heartbreaking, but so beautifully written. And it really does pay respect. Yeah. Um, a mark- no, of course, a marks a time, I guess, which can only I can only imagine was so difficult for you and everyone around you. So, how did it feel all those years later writing the book? Um, it was it was a mission. It was mm. a, it was it it was a really up and down thing, and a lot mm. of the time, you know, you are reliving stuff that was really difficult and and painful as well, of and course. also quite joyful at times. And then sometimes I would think sometimes you get this kind of weird feeling that people are actually still alive mm. because you're reliving them all. And, and in my, you know, like 
when your mind goes, oh, I'll just give so-and-so a ring. Sometimes yeah. my mind was almost doing that mm. with people because I, I'd be recreating them so much in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have to take a little break because I think, oh, no, no, it's probably a bit too much. But um, but also it, what you say about it being well, nicely written, that's a, that's a real compliment to me because that's what was making me nervous. I don't know how people are going to feel reading this. You don't know yourself whether you're, entertaining or whether you're boring or whether you're going on too much about something or you know Mm. what's funny to you isn't funny to other people and all that kind of thing so no I think it was beautiful and I think what was lovely is obviously you were dealing with some really tough topics you know your friend um Joanne sorry is it pronounced Joanne or Joanne Juan Juan sorry no that's all right Juan Pablo um and um obviously Derek and Dursley and you know, what, what I took from all of those people uh, was, you know, it was obviously a very difficult time and you were holding a lot of secrets and a lot of kind of being a support to so many people, but yet they all had such a tenacity and a spirit and joy for life. And they absolutely did. it was beautiful. Oh, well, that's so nice because each mm. of them were a tour de force. They really were. Mm. They were, they were talented boys. They were very, very energetic boys they were sexy boys and <laughs> so they were you know get they were out there having fun mm-hmm. and and that was a you know that was the world was had opened up for them mm-hmm. and as soon as it opened up it closed down again and so that was just mm-hmm. a horrible thing you know mm-hmm. so so yeah so they each had a passion different kind of a passion in their own way you know and Juan mm-hmm. particularly had a, a difficult journey because coming from a South American country and trying mm-hmm. to come to you know learn english to to find his dream and, and mm. all of that was so they they were they did have tenacity absolutely they actually survived as long as they did particularly they did. Jersey, who survived many years with full-blown aids and that was you know incredible really and was it sorry was it dursley or was it uh derek who initially had said they had cancer no, derek derek and obviously you you went to the hospital and saw the notes and it's a diagnosis 1985 and exactly. you're like, no, this is wrong. And yeah. again, I, I, I really, those moments for me were heartbreaking because I just, I just, what I think breaks my heart so much about that is that the shame or guilt that those people must have held on their shoulders by not yeah. being able to speak their truth. And, you know, in my mind, they're heroes because they, people of that time have, have paved the way for queer people like me to have the life that I have, you know, I'm so, I feel so fortunate and can only imagine how they would feel looking on 40 years later and thinking what life could be like. And we still have a way to go. Don't get me wrong. But actually, if you think about that time and actually how difficult it was for people who were gay living with HIV and AIDS and the stigma, um, I don't yes. know. I just think it was just heartbreaking to think that they had all of that on their shoulders. And yeah. That, well, and, and because it put it backwards because everything mm. was beginning to be open and, you know, people were beginning to, to come out and people mm. had come out amongst friends and, and things like that. And, mm. but, you know, gradually people were educating family members and finding their feet and, and coming out into the gay world. And then of mm. course the whole HIV AIDS thing, put it back into mm. put it almost put people back into the closet because mm-hmm. then it became and 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 it needn't even have been like that it was because in the press it was so damning of gay men that, that mm-hmm. people became frightened of gay men then mm-hmm. you know and because people people liked you know you know finding a, a a group of people to almost bully into submission mm-hmm. so that that i think 
I think it would have got further quicker if it hadn't been for AIDS being blamed on on the gay community, gay community. the gay male community, not, not absolutely. Gay. Absolutely. And it just, yeah, such a, such a stigma. And I think that kind of is, you know, that's something we've still got to kind of get over and something we'll talk about in a moment. Actually, I've got an interesting question, which I would like to discuss with you. But what I took from the book is as well as that, obviously you had a career mapped out, but actually you had this second career as, you know, like nurse Jill or this, this support, you know, like therapist and supporter and, and, what I read from the book is that you would have it no other way. You know, that was your, your people, your friends, your family, you were there to support. Um, but was there ever a time when you thought, my goodness, this is, this is a lot because obviously you're, you're dealing with, I mean, obviously the people are going through it themselves, but you're dealing with seeing loved ones becoming ill and having those secrets that you're keeping and trying to make sure, I mean, you even talk about the, um, the situation with the, the dinner party with the cat, um, and how the, the fear of, um, cats bringing in an infection and running to grab the cat so it doesn't go near one of your friends. And it's just like, that must be just such a stressful time thinking about it constantly. Did you find it that way? I think there were moments when it was stressful. Mm. I think, you know, in the, I think when Jersey was very ill and, and, um, you know, coming towards the end of his life, I did actually, find it stressful and did actually mm. probably lose some weight which is never a bad thing for for me probably but you know <laughs> it, it, it was living with a sort of level of anxiety and mm. i did used to worry that my parents would be worrying about me because mm. you have this whole circle thing don't you, you don't want those you love worrying about you and mm-hmm. you want to do what you need to do so um yeah i, I think all in all it just becomes part of your life mm-hmm. that is what happens and as many many people doing many, many stressful things. So I think you just, you don't know what life's going to throw at you, do you? And you, you just, just you have to, to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and, and one I, thing is when you are young, mm. when you are young, you do have energy. Mm-hmm. So that's, that is the one thing in, in favor of, of me. I mean, not, not, mm-hmm. not the boys because that was a different thing, but mm-hmm. you know, at 30, I had all the energy in the world mm-hmm. at, at that time. Yeah, and I guess also if you, when you love people, you do what you can, don't you? It's just one that of those gives things. You energy. Yeah, it, it, that's beautiful. It so does, doesn't it? It makes you want to do more and sacrifice your own self for other people. I completely agree with you. You don't think of it as as a sacrifice. You you really don't. You just think of it mm-hmm. as well, this is this is oh this is what I want to do. Actually, do yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's a really good point. I think what, you know, I've read other books over recent years as well. And, but you mentioned a couple of the the headlines of that time, um, which, you know, just make me so cross, but, you know, I just wanted to highlight a couple of them today and just, you know, talk about those. So we had obviously Rock Hudson, um, you know, died, died of AIDS oh, yes. and some of the headlines, oh, you know, that at the time was Rock Hudson, uh, living a lie and dying in shame. Again, that awful word, shame. Um, AIDS exactly. was the wrath of God. Uh, gay yeah. men were a walking time bomb with a killer yeah. disease who were yeah, uh, menace to society. It's just, it's so damaging. And I think that what I, what I find really interesting is that You've got all those red top newspapers that are printing all these awful headlines. And that really does leave a mark on people, doesn't it? It kind of, it influences people that are not, I don't know, if someone doesn't have to think about something or don't have to educate themselves, they'll believe what they read and it's damaging. And I think it probably still damages um, a perception of the gay community now. So, you know, do you... Completely. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. It still does damage Mm -hmm. the gay community and still people will think of that. Even though I think, you know, worldwide, 
the the figures is it's heterosexual it's it's mm-hmm. a gay it's it's whatever it's a it's a virus it's where that virus mm-hmm. is and mm-hmm. it's a sexually transmitted virus so mm-hmm. whoever has sex is in danger mm-hmm. of transmitting a virus so it's universal and is still people think that that is a a gay disease and then it follows on with something as crazy as now a new headline you get something like monkeypox mm-hmm. which is then put out to be within the in the community gay mm-hmm. male community and you don't you know start again to make headlines to mm-hmm. to segregate people even mm-hmm. if somebody catches it quicker than somebody else might because of something they've done mm-hmm. it's almost like you want to victimize people so mm-hmm. i think it's dangerous Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, to, and, and the stigma lives on. It does. Definitely. It does. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. And there's so you know, so many people that you know wrote headlines and kind of the propaganda out that was out there. You know, the stuff from the government. All of that time was just horrendous and oh, just ridiculously. Cruel. Yeah, I can only imagine how difficult it was for for your friends and for the people of the community generally at that time. What I found really interesting in the book as well, and I've actually had this conversation myself recently, was around the reference you made to COVID nineteen and the investment in the vaccination and information. Um, about the virus and the fact that it wasn't labelled a wrath of God, however, you know, AIDS and HIV was. And it's something that I've talked about lots in the pub with my friends and we've we've had different conversations about this. And you and I know that COVID doesn't discriminate. Um, and the same goes for AIDS and HIV. It's a virus. It needs to live somewhere. It will be transmitted. Um, do you think if HIV and AIDS was identified 40 years later, there would have been the same level of investment you know, as COVID-19? Or do you think we would have faced the same challenges as we did back in the 80s? I think you probably would face, I think, not you, not you personally, I think you as the, mm-hmm. the universal you, I think you, a, a person or the community, I think it would certainly not be treated like COVID-19 because that was become, this is an airborne virus. This mm-hmm. is literally everybody very quickly, you know, this is going to be a worldwide disaster. Whereas again, if anything is contained and less it's, it's still not i mean you still have to fight your corner mm-hmm. as a gay person mm-hmm. in this world you still have to fight a corner so i think it would i'd like to think it would be better mm-hmm. but i still think that there would be issues of saying okay if this was you know again with a heterosexual community you you'd probably have more investment if it was straight men absolutely you might have more investment so i i'm not convinced that it wouldn't wouldn't be this same but i think people wouldn't have to feel the same shame that they feel of of being gay and then getting that disease on top of already what was a bit of a secret i think that would be mm. perhaps easier to deal with yeah and i guess within our within their families for instance of course and i guess as well there are so many different I mean, you know, in terms of, I think sexuality is is probably, I mean, it, it was probably very fluid then, but in terms of labels and sexual identities and all that yeah. kind of stuff, you know, it's a lot more open. So actually maybe 
that it's not just, you know, gay men as such now that are sleeping together, but actually, you know, we've got, you know, bisexual is more talked about, you know, yes, we've got exactly. people that are more gender fluid, you know, actually if people are a bit more open uh, with yes, their sexualities, it, it may, it may help with the investment, but it, I just thought it was a really interesting, you know, uh, kind of comparison that the two and, and actually, you know, COVID didn't discriminate. It, it kind no. of attacked everyone. And the fact is AIDS and HIV can do the same, you know, it's people with COVID only got sympathy, you know, they didn't, mm. they didn't ever get stigmatized or anything. Shame. And let's be, you know, honest about it. It wasn't that easy to get prep mm. out into the world. So mm. you know, that, that, that faced a barrier and that's pretty recent in, in the grand scheme mm. of things. Mm. Absolutely. You talk in the book about, um, you know your the need for support and uh, and to care and um, soak up information to help those around you and obviously we also talk about West End Cares which was just incredible to read about um, and obviously you know the community coming together putting on shows years of um, productions and support and fantastic fundraising support. honestly we had fantastic support yeah. and 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 people wanted to because they knew and loved people and and, and mm. especially. I mean, for, for instance, and, and I know I talk about it, it's a cast of Kiss of the Spider Woman, and they were in the West End, but they were the American cast. So they had a lot of information from how it was in America, fundraising. So we mm -hmm. could, you know, they, they were on board and it's, it's stars like Cheetah Rivera. She did mm -hmm. a late night show. I mean, loads of people, everybody uh, did something, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, it wasn't everybody's cup of tea to want to fundraise for HIV, but then again, if somebody had asked me to fundraise for something else or join them, mm -hmm. I would have helped put an event, you know, but it was just that what our group were doing, our little mm -hmm. community, mm -hmm. our committee were fundraising for HIV and mm -hmm. AIDS. So. Uh, and millions of pounds raised as well over the years. Absolutely. We did. We raised millions and very proud of that. And it's not me. It's, it's, it's everybody. It's, it was very exciting to be at the beginning of it mm -hmm. and it's continued, you know, for many years and, and people actually in the West End, and it, now because after lockdown, of course, it, it hasn't continued in the same way. But mm -hmm. people love the community that that creates because mm -hmm. you're meeting people from other casts, late night shows. You have a laugh and yeah. people enjoy performing. Performers enjoy performing. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in a show for, if you're in The Lion King for five years and you can come and sing some other stuff, then people love that. You know, enjoy, it's enjoyable. Uh, it's performance, isn't it? It's it's art and being able yeah, to express yourself. Right. Absolutely, and do uh, some good. Yeah, of, of course, and yeah, and that really comes across in, in the book. I just think it was oh, in, incredible. So no, I, I really did love that. Um, and obviously, you talk about you know um, time moving on and doctors and nurses treating. I mean, I think at the beginning it was very much kind of you know what is this disease? What's happening? People being very cautious. Um, you know, we we know that from the whole situation. You know, Princess Diana, get, you know, shaking that person's yes. hand, and but actually, as time went on what I read from the book was that nurses and doctors were treating patients with more dignity and the services, um, you know, were, were developing to support people um, with HIV and AIDS. And obviously, yeah. you know, you were there as a volunteer at the Westminster hospital, but also supporting um, Quan, Derek and, uh, and Dursley as well, and others that relied on you. So do, do you think that time changed you as a person? Um, and if so, how, how do you think that was? I think Oh dear, yeah. I suppose I mean everything changes you, doesn't it? You move mm -hmm. on. What you what you've done becomes what you are, and and so it changed it changed me because of it. Certainly changed me in being part of a 
group of people in the world who have experienced loss. Mm-hmm. And I think that once you do and once you have, then you are you you understand mm-hmm. other people and and you know and I'm never afraid to say to somebody, I'm sorry to hear you lost your partner, mm-hmm. your mother, because you know you don't want. So I sort of feel like it taught me how to deal with maybe other people's grief and loss a little mm-hmm. bit in in the world because you don't want to close the door to people's feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, many many ways it changed me. It, it being in the West End changes you because it gives you a, a confidence in your career, mm-hmm. and then you become more confident in the fact that you can make something happen because mm-hmm. we made that happen with the West End Cares. So I think in, in all ways, it made me paranoid that anybody else was going to get ill all the mm-hmm. time. I worry about people's health, you know, um, and, and even, even little things you think, oh, it, it, I hope that's not become something more serious. So I got, I, I, I talked about it and I have a half a medical dictionary in my head and I know, I know some stuff, but not enough. And so mm-hmm. it makes me worry about people's health a lot. Well, I guess it's, tra- it's trauma, isn't it? It's that, you know, when you, when you live through such a time, which is so difficult and you see people around you, you know, loved ones passing away and it's, it's trauma. It, 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 the brain takes that and wants to go into protective mode and, you know, wants yeah, to secure things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. That's kind so, of what so, happens. So in all ways you are, you are a product of what you, what you've mm, experienced. So, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And obviously we, we must talk about, um, it's a sin. Um, I mean the show that Russell created just heartwarming, heartbreaking. I binge watched it. Um, when I was living, yeah, I did. Well, I kind of, I watched the first episode and I was just hooked. I needed to keep watching it. And it's really interesting actually, because I've got, um, friends and family who are uh, gay elders and they just said we couldn't watch it at one go. We had to space it out. It was too much to watch it. And so I think it's, it's obviously different, different people have taken different things from, from that time. Um, and all those people who lost, lost somebody, you know, brings it all back to them. And so people might not want to relive that. That's what they said. They said, you know, we, we have to understand we lived through this. Whereas I guess when this was really all kicking off, I was, I was quite young. I was, you know, four or five. Um, was born in born in the eighties. Um, so young, it's frightening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but you know, obviously the the effects of it, and you know, the propaganda and Section Twenty Eight, and all the stuff that come to pass, you know, all had an effect on on kind of my schooling, my childhood, and things. But yes. it's it's you know, for someone that's lived through this and seen people they love, you know, suffering with with AIDS and HIV, it, you know, watching a show like this must be quite quite difficult. But how did it feel to you um, to have, you know, the Pink Palace feature as part of that show and also for Dursley to be a, an inspiration behind Richie? Because I think, well, you know... Love, I love that, of course, because he was mm-hmm. a bit of an inspiration. Mm-hmm. And, and But there was a whole community of people that Russell knew and that I knew mm-hmm. and we were all part of it. Mm-hmm. So he, it wasn't that, that Richie wasn't Dursley exactly right. in the way that it was but there was parts of his I think his courage Dursley's tenacity mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. thing of not giving up was very much how Dursley was because he really believed that that he could beat it mm-hmm. and so he had that tenacity with that sort of incredible belief mm-hmm. and that was a tribute to him and and the little Doctor Who section which he was in Doctor Who yes yes tribute mm. um, and I think that just the whole I mean, what Russell created was an, an amalgamation, really, of of our lives mm-hmm. and a little bit of 
his own imagination as well and other people of course he did speak didn't only speak to me he spoke to some of the nurses and doctors he spoke to um a, a particular people who were really in with act up and, and activists that mm-hmm. had you know done the whole thing of fighting with the police and all of that so it was an amalgamation of everything and then that's just russell because he can put it all together and mm-hmm. uh, and make it lovely and make mm-hmm. it so uh, i mean he didn't even see the success of it coming though because he was mm. you know he was expecting he's, he's universally what he, what russell actually said to me was i've never had such universal mm-hmm. love come towards me mm-hmm. with, with it's a sin because obviously he's faced criticism and adoration for stuff that he's done so mm-hmm. all right he's yeah universally with us he's, he's uh, had great absolutely i mean it, it was just beautiful and as i said i i was kind of joyous heartbroken in love i mean i fell in love with richie completely in one evening and oh, i was fab. telling my husband about it the next morning and as i was telling him what happened just like the tears were just rolling down my face because i was just so it just it touched me so much i just thought it i think about all of those people at that time and it's just i think that for me that's what that show has has done it's made people that maybe didn't take notice or didn't know about that time reflect and actually understand that actually you know there's a history and we have to respect it we have to mark it and honor it and uh, because it's important to know that those people's lives you know didn't end in vain you know people are now having you know different lives to what they, those people had at that time and yeah, it's amazing when you think that and you mm. and you go through that and a lot of young younger people say that same thing which is amazing mm. to me amazing mm. to, to to wrestle you know that that it is a part of that history and it, it mm. and it is true that you, you know because what they did, what they tried to do with the mm. drugs that they took, the way they fought it, the way they set up the communities, act up and body positive and all that sort of thing. It did pave the way. That, that's without a doubt. So that's what makes me feel good about writing mm. the book. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. That, that's the thing is, is I'm able to, because I, I mean, I suppose you've lived through it, you know what it's about. And was it difficult watching the show back? I mean, have you watched it or kind no, of? No, I watched it. I watched it once. Okay. with trepidation because mm-hmm. I didn't quite know what it was I was going to feel or mm-hmm. and then I watched it again uh, a few months later with somebody that hadn't seen it and then I, I it was very emotional to watch it mm. um and also of course because I am in it playing mm. uh, Jill Baxter's mother so Bum. I was concerned about my own scenes as an actress <laughs> again I hope my scenes are going to be you know <laughs> they're, they're going to be as good as some of the other scenes that I've just seen because you know you're watching it and thinking mm. that works beautifully and you know, it, it was a juxtaposition for me of watching mm. it being part of the cast and watching it being part of the story. So mm-hmm. the, it, was, it was amazing. You it was were incredible. Mind blowing. Mm. The whole cast, it was just so beautifully <laughs> done. It really so was. Andy Pryor, that's the casting director. Fantastic. Yeah, it was amazing. Really and obviously, uh, you know, the saying, la, um, uh, yeah, you know, and all that is, is yeah, oh, from your, that's, that's from your college days. I mean, and to have t-shirts sold and to be making half a million pounds to the Terence Higgins Trust is just to think that that saying, you and your group of Who friends knew? created that. It's just amazing. It, it, you know, it's Who just beautiful. Mm, absolutely. Just writing and then all that kind of stuff happens. You think, God, everyone loves love now. And it's really fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, obviously we, we talked earlier that there, the, you know, is still a stigma um, and we have to end the stigma with HIV and AIDS. Um, you know, what, what do you think people listening could do to support the, the community and to help break that stigma and make sure that people who are still living with, with HIV are supported? 
I think it's just making people feel that that's as normal an illness as something mm-hmm. like diabetes, that people can feel, oh, you know, I mean, people have the right to be private about mm-hmm. their health. Not mm-hmm. everybody wants to say, I have cancer or I have diabetes. But, but if you wished to disclose that you have some sort of health issue, then you should be able to say you're HIV like you can say anything else. And that's, Absolutely. You know, just normalise it for people mm-hmm. to make them feel they've got support, you know, that they're not judged, that people mm-hmm. shouldn't be judged. Uh, otherwise, what well, you know, who is anyone else to judge anyway? You know? Absolutely, okay. and I completely agree. And, and obviously, you're the the patron for the uh, the Sussex Beacon. I uh, am. I'm very proud of being asked to do that. So I'm trying is, to do, trying to do. I'm trying to be a good patron. So I'm uh, trying to be not just a name on the the you know the 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 the, the, the headed notepaper or whatever as a patron because I, I'm not a big star or anything like that. So I feel like I've got to do my bit to, to make it worthwhile so i'm coming down to pride mm. and then we with the west enders the people i sing with we are doing a show on the 14th of september um for the sussex beak and a cabaret dinner cabaret and so so i'm trying to do some things so, you know they've got this be more jill campaign which is a little bit embarrassing because i they see, keep saying you want to wear a be more jill t-shirt and i think no, I don't think I'm going to wear the T-shirt. No, I think it's amazing. I think it's incredible. And can you please send me, because obviously this is going to go out at the end of August after the season finishes as a bonus episode. So can you send me details yes. of the fundraiser? Because I'd like to plug that yeah. for, for the Sussex Oh, that'll be, That will um, be lovely to do that. I'll say get the whole link or get to Scott, Scott Davidson there to send you all yeah. the information because that'll be nice. Because yeah, I, I don't have all the, the tickets and everything details at my fingertips, but he will be able to send you that. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I just wanted to end, I guess, this this part of the interview just by something that you wrote in the in the book, and I just I think it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about. But you said uh, the show about it's a sin. The show was about the beautiful men who fought bravely, uh, set up self help groups, put themselves forward for drug trials, and uh, never ceased to try and live their lives to the full. I feel today they are all getting the love and respect that eluded them at that time, and I think that was just so beautifully written and i i completely agree with you i think that we stand on the shoulders of all those people that lived with hiv continue to live with hiv but the people that lost their lives and and fought so bravely at the time and i just thought that was a really beautiful way to to end the book so thank you for that oh well thank you for picking that out because that's mm. yeah it's nice it's stunning absolutely it's stunning true isn't it because they, they mm. are they're getting the love now absolutely absolutely so have we got time very quickly to end this on a bit of a lighter note Go on, with then quick, see we'll, what happens. With a quick fire round. How does that sound? Oh, go on, go on. I'll give it a go. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it cuts it if there's anything horrible I say. <laughs> no, not at all. Do you know, it's funny because every time I do this on the recordings of the studio, people go, oh, this is fine. I can do this. It won't be a problem. And then it takes them ages because it's it. you have to really think. Okay. So, okay, we'll go with it. So, queer icon. Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Okay. I, yeah, I can expect that. A, a lot of people have said that. So, that, okay. Queer anthem. Uh, the song from Kiss of the uh, Queer Anthem, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Um, tomorrow we'll be free. If not tomorrow, then the day after that. Oh, okay. Oh, I've not heard that. Day I'll after have... that. Oh, it's fabulous. Isn't and it, it was sung at a lot of um, uh, it was sung at a lot of sort of AIDS fundraising things in in the eighties. And I think okay. Liza Minnelli recorded it with the Gay Men's Chorus in New York. So. Oh, amazing. Okay, I need to YouTube that one and have a look up. Okay, fab. What was the last book you read? And you can't include your own. <laughs> well, because I, I, I haven't read that back. I read it enough <laughs> at the time. Um, the last book I read is a book called Where the Crawdads Sing. Okay. And 
a lovely book by uh, set in the North Carolina. In it's a it's a little bit of a mystery, and it's a little bit of a sort of coming of age story of a of mm-hmm. a girl who's been sort of grows up quite wild in the marshlands of North Carolina. Oh, it's how just wonderful! Just going to be made into a film. It's a good book. Oh wow, incredible! That's so lovely. You know, I've, I'm interviewing quite a few authors um, over the next few weeks, and I've got a pile of books to read. And um, it's a bit daunting. The pile is getting bigger. Oh, I so. bet, I bet. And I'm in the <laughs> middle of reading an old Stephen King book called The Stand, which oh. is about the pandemic. And I, I don't normally read Stephen King's. But I don't normally read sort of supernatural things, but it is a very it's one of his. Everybody reads Stephen King, you know, and they 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 love it. But I've not never been into them in a big way but i am reading this one and it is good oh amazing amazing i've got um before i go to sleep to read next which is um the sj watson book he's a local author here in brighton yes okay all right i think i've seen that actually yeah it was a film uh, nicole kidman starred in the film Ah, as well yeah so that's my next my next read um giving a little guest away there as well (laughs) Uh, yeah (laughs) one item you couldn't live without one item i couldn't live without Mm -hmm. Um, do you mean like a, a, a gadget kind of item or anything, anything you just couldn't live without on a daily basis? Item I couldn't live without. Oh God, that is a hard one. <laughs> uh, when I, I, I trying to think of something, a comfortable bed. Oh yes. It, yeah. <laughs> so true, isn't it? So, so true. Do you know, I, my sister-in-law, my, my, my uh, brother-in-law's uh, girlfriend lives in, in Taiwan and um her and her family or, or, or she especially sleeps on wooden slats um they don't have mattresses and I think it's a, it's a cultural thing and something that they're just completely Probably used to doing yeah it completely is but I'm just like I could never give up my, my mattress it's just so no, comfortable no. and I mean, cozy and... you think of it is, is a luxury in life really, absolutely yeah we're so lucky yeah. to have them aren't we but then you think of a million things there's a million things that are part of you know yeah. that, that sort of uh, yeah life Absol- that we live that you like Absolutely. how would I live without a kettle? Yes, or, or something to pour water in, or a fridge. A fridge was something I was just thinking about. I was going to say, but I thought, should I? I should be able to live without a fridge. So no. But, well, do you know? I, maybe I, I send that across the airwaves because I was thinking fridge myself. So um, because it's like everything you put everything in the fridge, don't you? It's just you know keeps everything fresh and lovely yeah. and cold and yeah, especially with the hot weather. Things. Yeah, absolutely. Your favorite decade and why? Um. Why? They're my favourite decade. Oh, dear. I think then I'll go for the... I, I mean, I have, I've quite, quite loved each decade for a different reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd probably go for the 70s just because of the freedom and the innocence of youth. And, oh, lovely. You know, the, the lack of the lack of responsibility you don't realize what responsibility your parents are taking mm. and you don't realize how how free you are until you look back on it really yeah absolutely yeah it's when you get to adulthood and you think oh i'm i'm now responsible and i have to make decisions ex- yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just that excitement with everything everything is new yeah that's a, a great feeling absolutely four people living or past that you would invite to a dinner party Okay, four people living or past. Um, well, it would be a nice mixture of people. I think somebody that would be very interesting to have would be maybe someone like Albert Einstein. Oh, yes. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, and then somebody, um, I think maybe, 
uh, who's a good laugh? Somebody's, you've got to have somebody who's a bit of a good fun and mm. a, a raconteur mm. at a dinner party. Maybe someone like Stephen Fry. Mm. Um, somebody's um, Chris Packham. Oh, yeah. I love Chris Packham. I love Chris Packham and I love what he stands for and yeah. anything to do with nature and climate change. Mm. And I think I need a fabulous lady now. Because um, so I've picked all the boys, haven't I? <laughs> um, who who would I like to have? Shall I go for Lady Gaga? Oh yeah, she saw yeah. last night. Again, she's that, gonna yeah, the youth and fun. Absolutely, and the conversation would be so interesting because she'd probably enjoy talking about all of the different elements of what everyone would bring to that that party. So I think that's a perfect guest, actually. Um, she was fabulous last night, by the way. The, it was, I'm sure she was. My God, I don't it was, doubt that for a second. It was electric. It was a nightmare getting out of the stadium, but it was electric. It was incredible. Um, okay, so best and worst quality in someone else? Best quality is... Um, warmth and mm. uh, generosity. Mm-hmm. And worst quality is violence. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Or selfishness. Aggression. Aggression. Mm. Yes. Yeah. No need for it, is there? No. Well, it makes me uncomfortable. So Mm. I don't like that if someone's... I don't mean confrontational in a correct way. I mean physically aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're walking through London to go to the Tube last night and there was like something going on and the police had to get involved and we were like cross the road come on it's just anything like yeah. that i just have to walk away from it i just i just don't yeah don't like to see it it's not nice um and finally a message of inspiration for anyone listening um, about anything you like well my 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 real thing in life is make the most of the time that we have that's mm-hmm. what i think is and you know seize the days i know i'm not the first person to say that i know that's an expression mm-hmm. that's out there but i think that that is you know no time like the present mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, absolutely jill this has just been an absolute thrill for me thank you so much um thank you first of all for um connecting with me on instagram and chatting to me i know that i've been saying please can we record please can we record but no, thank you um it's nice. been amazing and thank you for the book and for just kind of you know shining a light on on that time and uh, for all those wonderful people that you knew as well i think it was just um an incredible read and i would encourage anyone to go out and buy uh, love from the pink palace it was just oh, really really nice. wonderful Thank you so much. But just thank you so much, Jill. I really do appreciate your time. My pleasure. Over a year ago, when I watched It's a Sin in My House in Suffolk, before moving to Brighton and even dreaming up this podcast, I had no idea that I would have just interviewed Jill Nelder. This was a real moment for me and was very special. Jill is an incredible ally to our community and someone that we can look up to for having the courage to stand up for what is right and support those around us. Thank you, Jill. That was incredible. You can follow Jill on social media and you can also get a copy of her book, Love from the Pink Palace Now. You will not be disappointed. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Actually. You can also check out my website, fluiactually.com. Until next time.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.